Welcome to another Be Your Own Loud podcast. I'm your host, Matt Haller. And today we have an amazing referral for those of you who've been paying attention to the show for a while. Kelly Cardenas was one of the first guests on our show. And I had asked Kelly a while ago, hey, can you introduce me to some freaking cool people? And he's like, oh, no, I got the cool person. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then I had a chance to meet our guest today. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is freaking awesome. So Win Claybaugh is our guest today. He is an author, keynote speaker, podcaster for longer than some of you listeners have been alive. Back in the day where he sent cassettes, which we're going to talk a little bit about that. But he's also the the founder and co-owner of Paul Mitchell's School Division. He has been ubiquitous within not only the world of fashion, but also in the world of motivation and thought leadership. When welcome to the show. Be your own loud. Thank you so much. Well, first of all, I'm good to know that I'm a, a, a freaking cool person to to be interviewing. Right. Uh, and, and, then, and then you mentioned the fashion industry. People are like, wait a minute. He's in the hair industry. He has no uh, hair. <laughs> Matt, Matt, what's under your hat? That's what. There we go. I, I know. I, I'm right thought. there with you. But I do, I do have to say that I, I took extra time with my beard today because uh, okay. when I had Kelly on the phone, he was like, Okay, I, here's a couple of products you need. <laughs> yeah, really Kelly, Kelly's a great guy, so I'm 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 grateful to to Kelly that he uh, connected us, and that that's kind of the world that we live in, right? We're yeah. always on the hunt for for new ma- mentors, new teachers, yeah. and and I think that that's awesome. And he looks to you as such a pivotal person in his personal and professional growth and development that it was just super cool. I know that we we scheduled this a long time ago because you got a crazy busy schedule. So let's start off with finding out who who you are. Tell us your story and kind of where you got to this person you are today. I started my company almost 40 years ago and my my company started off in in the salon business, the professional beauty industry and and I soon expanded into the school business and fell in love with education. I fell in love with with students. Students have what we call beginner's luck, which basically means that they don't know it won't work. My friend tells this joke, how many hairdressers does it take in the salon to teach a new haircut? A hundred, one to do the cut and 99 to stand there and say, oh, I could do that. <laughs> and so the reason why I love students is because students just have that that passion for learning and to me, that's so, so attractive. And sometimes when we've been doing something for a long time, we lose that passion. It's, it's just day to day. And, and I want to be around passionate people. And students, for me, are very, very passionate. So I fell in love with the school business. And then I became partners with John Paul DeJoria. He's that guy in the Paul Mitchell TV commercials, you know, at the ponytail. He's my partner, cha-ching. Uh, he's, he sold Patron Tequila for what? I don't know, a couple billion dollars uh, several years ago. And yeah, I started my podcast company about 22 years ago. Not out of inspiration. It was desperation that that motivated me to get into interviewing people, hunting down heroes and mentors and teachers to ask them their story. And I love what I do. I'm very, very passionate. I'm 62 years old. I'm a dad. So there's lots of parts of my story that I could be sharing with you. Well, now let's let's go into passion. I love that word. And I think that that's something that as we continue to grow both personally and professionally, that that's something that is easily lost. How have you maintained passion for everything that you do and, and not just maintain it for yourself, but also help people be able to embrace and find theirs? Such a great question. First of all, I believe that that passion is attractive and people rely so much on their resume. And I used to be that type of a boss. 
right? Like I, I just give me that resume. I want to see what you, what education you have, what job experience you have. And I, I skipped over the human factor and the human factor is someone who has that, that drive, that passion, that energy. And on occasion I'll meet people and they're like, yeah, when I'm, I'm passionate. And I'm like, well, tell your face. Cause I can't see it right now. <laughs> to me, I would rather have somebody who just has that strong, strong desire. You know what? I have nothing on my resume. I have no experience. I have no degrees, no education, but I know I can do it. Just give me a chance. I would mm -hmm. rather hire that person yeah. rather than the person who relies on, on that resume. And I think the, the question was, how do I maintain that passion? Yeah. It's not by accident. This energy does not come naturally to me. Even happiness does not come naturally to me. Having a good attitude, this is something that I have to work at every single day. And you better believe there's a routine to maintain that, which by the way, my routine starts at four o'clock in the morning. And, and, and there's a reason for that. Oh, well, you can't just say that and not continue. Expand well, on that, I was, please. I was trying to be polite and let it, you're, you're the one interviewing me. I was you know, trying to stall there so you can jump in well, and that, ask a yeah, question. You've done this a couple of times. I appreciate well, you know, that. My, but yeah, My daughter, I have a nine-year-old daughter, and she gets up at six o'clock. That's my time at 6 a.m. is my time with her to get breakfast and get her excited for the day. Well, for me to be a really good dad, because I think that you learn that. That's a learned behavior to wake up every single day excited for the day. Some people wake up and, and they're not excited. Well, I, I don't believe that we have to live with that and just accept that. We can turn that around. So it's my job as her dad to teach her that. Well, how can I teach her that if I'm not fully awake, if, not, if I'm not fully passionate? And so starting at four o'clock in the morning, like simple things, like I, I light a candle. When I wake up, I put on music. The first thing I do is I put on great music, feed the dogs. I, I check a couple of emails. I have my own breakfast. And so I'm fully in gear. I'm fully passionate, fully ready to go by the time I drag her out of bed at six o'clock. And of course, at six o'clock in the morning, I'm like, Sophia, this is going to be an amazing day. That's my job as, a, as her dad. I get asked this all the time. You're the first person I've ever asked this to on this show. But you said, I put on great music. And the interesting thing is not only are you stimulating yourself with your auditory senses, but you're also stimulating yourself with a sensory olfactory sort of thing. Where did that come from? How did you learn that hitting yourself on multiple level of sensory exposure would help you get into the right mindset? I think if you asked anybody, what are those things that, that set you up for happiness, that set you up for success, that set you up for passion? They, they would have that list, but they think that, that it's somebody else's responsibility to make that happen. Yeah. So something as simple as having fresh flowers in the house. Oh, I love it when I have fresh flowers in the house, but they're angry at so-and-so for not sending flowers. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's nobody's job. It's, it's your job. It's your job to, to do the things like if you ask anybody, like ask an audience, how many of you feel better about yourself when you're driving around in a clean car? Almost every single hand would go up. Yeah. And yet and then you ask them, how many of you will drive a dirty car for weeks <laughs> and almost every hand will go up? Nobody's going to steal your car, wash it and then bring it back. 
meaning it's our responsibility to figure out what are those things that set us up for happiness and passion. And so, again, for me, music is a big part of that. And I think that most people, if they thought about it, they would realize that as well. Because music, like one song, can take you back 30 years and bring back a beautiful, happy, incredible memory. So there's there's a song, there's a style, there's a genre of music. And so for something as simple as that, for us to know what those things are, I'm really dedicated and committed to those things. I love checking in with that. Uh, Sight, smells, sounds, feelings, clothing, all of those things that you can do to put yourself, they're like these little catalysts that can just help you get that much closer to where you want to be here uh, on a regular basis. I I love that win. And I don't think people pay as close attention to it when you're driving down the road and you hear that song and you're like, damn, every time I hear this song, I freaking love that song. You should write that down and put that song into your life even more. Now, I'm going to switch gears here a little bit because you also said, you know, since you've been podcasting for 22 years, that you have always wanted to be able to interview mentors. I'm sure it doesn't surprise you, but that's also not a normal state of mind. You, as a as a fan of education and a believer in education, part of being a great interviewer is that natural curiosity. Were you born with that? And how do you take that into the podcast world? I, I was not necessarily born with that because as I briefly just said that for me to have a good attitude and to be happy does not come naturally to me it's something that I have to work out work at every single day I used to be the type of person that believed that some people were meant to be happy but not me and there's nothing I can do about it I really believed that until I was well into my 20s and so I started connecting with wonderful heroes and mentors and teachers I believe that the best leaders The best mentors are storytellers. And I was always engaged with people who are storytellers. My mom told me that when I was a little kid, the way she got me to eat my breakfast was to tell me that that's what Walt Disney ate for breakfast. Ah. At a very young age, I was connected with people, heroes, such as Walt Disney. Now, there are a lot of famous people out there that I really could care less what they have to say. There are a lot of famous people who they, they use their celebrity status and not in a good way. People like a Jerry Springer type person. Sure. I don't really care what he has to say. I don't really care what the real housewives have to say. My heroes and my mentors are people who are famous, but they they do good things with their celebrity. And Walt Disney would be a person like that, and I can name many, many, many people. My original desire and drive to podcast, to interview these people, which you're right, it was then to send out cassette tapes to subscribers that I had all over the world. My original drive and motivation to do that was not for inspiration. It was because I was desperate. Sure. I, I was so desperate and miserable that I had to find some answers. And when I started hunting down my mentors and my heroes to ask them questions, one day I decided to add a microphone to the equation so that yeah. everybody could hear what their answers are. Yeah. The power of this is is. I believe, and I'm hugely biased, as I know you are, that the interview format is absolutely an unbelievable way to have people peel the onion as a kind of an old saying there for you to get deeper and deeper and find out who that person is. Who who have you learned from from an interviewing perspective? I know we talked a little bit about this before we went live today, but I'd love for you to share some stories on how you learned how to be a good interviewer and how you have continued to exercise that curiosity that you need to be good at it. 
Well, I, I love that word uh, curiosity. I love that word because, you know, little kids have curiosity, yeah. but I know, I know 18 year olds who already know it all, which oh. to me is so unattractive. I know 90 year olds who still have that, that level of curiosity, like a little kid. And that's so attractive to me. And so I, I did have that, that natural curiosity. I really, really wanted to know the answer. I really wanted to learn and grow. And then about 15 years ago, Modern Salon Magazine called me the Larry King of the beauty industry because I had interviewed so many people, including people like Vidal Sassoon. Mm. Well, Larry King read that. He called me and said, hey, I need you to come to my house so I can teach you how to be Larry King. And so I, mm. I went to Larry's house and he sat down with me and he, and he taught me how to ask questions, how to even have more curiosity and pull more stories. And I'm grateful for that time that I had with him because I've had people that I've interviewed who after the interview said, when I've been interviewed hundreds of times and you pulled more from me than I've, I've ever delivered before. You, you, you required that I went deeper and shared parts of myself, which I think are incredible for us to be transparent as, yeah. as human beings, as leaders, where we really can tell those stories. Cause Matt, it would be so easy for you to share all of your victories and your accolades and all the awards that you've received. That doesn't inspire people. What inspires people is when we share the times that we fell down, the times that we screwed up, but yet we got back on our feet and we tell them the story of how we did that. To me, for like a boss to share that with their team members, not, hey, Forbes just named me the number one CEO on the entire planet. They don't care about that. When a boss like that says, hey, you know what? I was a drug addict 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And here's what I, I learned from that. Here's what I gained. And here's how I overcame that. And guess what? I believe in you. I believe that you matter. And I think that you can do it too. Oh my gosh. Talk about unlocking the potential in people by being transparent with our stories. Well, let's talk about tra being transparent with your story a little bit more. You've used some very interesting language so far. Have you had mental health struggles? I mean, you say that these are waking up with a positive attitude and, and those sorts of things are something you have to practice on a regular basis. Is, is that something that you've struggled with yourself? If you talk about mental health struggles, addiction is a mental health struggle. Yes, Depression absolutely. is a mental health struggle. I don't think that you have to be suicidal to, to say that, guess what, I struggle with this, although that is also a, a mental health struggle. They say one in four have cancer. Well, one in six have some type of mental health yeah. struggle. Well, that's a pretty large percentage. And so, yeah, we need to pay attention to that. Like we, we pay attention to cancer. We need to pay attention to, to mental wellness and what does that look like? Yeah, I'm very transparent in November. So last month I celebrated 20 years clean off of drugs. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I talk about that so that people can look at me and say, well, gosh, he looks like he's doing okay. Maybe there's hope for me. Yeah. So yeah, I'm very transparent about that. I lost a, a brother to suicide. I've lost several team members to suicide. So that's something that I want to pay attention to. That's something that I want to talk about because sometimes it's that we open the conversation that then give people permission to create that safe place for themselves and for other people. But if we don't have those conversations as leaders, as mentors, as podcasters, as people who have a voice and a platform, if we're not willing to take on those conversations, then they remain silent. And, and we know that that becomes deadly. Yeah. 
You used the word hope, and I'd like to I'd like to have you look back on on your your life here on this wonderful spinning planet that we're on. Where did you learn hope? Let's talk about some of the words that you've used today: passion, curiosity, hope, uh, resilience. You haven't used that, but that's part of who you are. Let's. I'd like to know. Like who you learned those from? What are some of the great lessons that you've learned that you've implemented into your life on a daily, weekly, monthly basis mm. that you'd like to share with our audience? I, I think Larry King trained you as well because you asked <laughs> Matt. You 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 clue in to really important words and topics, and hope is 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 one. That's a word that I think is so important, so valuable, especially nowadays with everything happening on this planet. People have lost hope. And I think if we can be the, the, the leaders that, that sell hope, that we market hope, because you can be down and out in every way possible, but if there's a small, small glimmer of hope, well, then we can work with that. There, there's a possibility here. And so I think that we always need to be selling and talking about hope. I've always had wonderful parents. So it's not like through any stage of my life, whether it was during my drug addiction or alcoholism that, that my parents abandoned me. Oh. I always knew that I had their love and that I had their support, that it was unconditional. And so of course that always provided hope for me. But some of my early mentors included people like Marianne Williamson, Louise Hay. I'll, I'll tell you something, some of my first mentors were women. Uh, I, I, I learned a lot from female mentors, and it was probably because of some past bad experiences where I didn't want to learn from, from men. And oh. so I really cued into to, to female mentors. And I, I think that along the way, through all the struggles that I have gone through, there were wonderful friends. You don't have to be a, a podcaster or an author or a famous person to provide the hope that we're talking about, to be a hero for somebody. A lot of that hope that I gained, that I desperately needed along the way, came from, from wonderful friends and sometimes from total strangers, like, like a waitress in a restaurant who would call me darling. Hey, darling, what would you like this morning? Oh, my gosh. Something as simple as that absolutely had a big impact on me. Looking back on many, many years of, of interviewing what were some of your pivotal turning points? Was it a, a person? Was it a technique? Was it an epiphany that you had while you were asking questions? Talk about that a little bit. That natural curiosity, when somebody gives an answer, there's always a word. And again, Matt, you're, you're great at this. There's, there's a word in their answer that you can build upon. So don't assume that you already got the entire story by asking one question. I think for a parent to, to learn that, yeah. what, what does a parent say? You know, how, how was your day when they ask their kids, you know, how was your day at school today? What's the answer? Fine. Fine. Mm -hmm. That's not the answer. That's not the answer. And I was taught to ask questions like, what was the best thing that happened to you today? Mm -hmm. Where you engage people in a conversation. And, and I, I love that engagement because the, the human factor is so, so important. You know, we learn that something as, as simple as, as holding somebody's hand can, can transform them. Yeah. And I just think that for us to be able to ask the kinds of questions that draw from people, not only their, their, their brilliance and, and the answers and, and uh, what's the right thing to do for them, 
but also to build great, great relationships. I like to tell leaders and, and business owners that there are three basic human needs. The first one is that people need to feel safe. The second one is that people need to feel that they belong. And the third basic human need is that people need to feel that they have a purpose. And when we're talking about purpose, it, for me, that's about raising money. That's about raising awareness, making a difference for charitable organizations and causes that we are personally passionate about, that our companies are passionate about. And people ask me all the time, it's like, well, when, how do I find out what my people are passionate about? You ask them. You ask oh, them. They, they yeah. never thought of that. Yeah. You ask them, ask questions, draw it from them. And so I think to be a, a Larry King where you know how to draw out the right answers from people is going to create a human bond connection that is so, so needed nowadays. Well, one of the other things that you do very, very well we're 20 minutes into this and you've done this a number of times is telling great stories. We have something here we call the perfect podcast formula, which is education, entertainment, storytelling, call to action. Talk to me about the power of stories. Uh, how do you use them not only to teach people, but also to make that connection? Anybody can quote doctrine or scripture from a book, right? And, and we've all heard those speakers on stage and all they're doing is, you know, point one, step two, this is yeah. what you have to do. And, and, get, it, and it could have been anybody else on that stage repeating the same, I don't even know what to, to call it, right? Those, those, those isms, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they learned it, they gained it from somebody else, right? I just think that when somebody can go into their stories, and I've heard some speakers, like I, I interviewed uh, Diana Niad. She is, I think, the only person that has ever swam from Cuba to the Florida Keys. I know who that is. Oh, my gosh. That's cool. Oh, my gosh. This woman. Guess what? The first time that she tried it, she was in her 20s. She failed several times. She finally accomplished it at the age of 64. So she stood in front of my audience for an hour. She all she did was tell her story. That's all oh. she did. She never told a part of her story and then said, OK, number one, if you want to be a great leader, you have to do A, B, C. She never did that. All she did was tell her story. And my audience, which was filled with my owners and my directors of my company, they were sitting there taking notes the entire time. They drew, they drew from her storytelling incredible business leadership messages and so just everybody has a story to tell, especially nowadays. Every single person has a story to tell. And when we tell our stories, we give people hope. I just think that since everybody does have a story, and I've shared this on this show before, but I'll be in a line at a grocery store and and the, the person who is checking us out uh, look like they're not having the greatest day. And so I'll ask them how they're doing. And sometimes when they walk through that door and I... And, and this is, sounds very selfish, but but I learned something from them, and, and it also gives them the chance to share something. People love telling their stories, and it doesn't matter where you are. If you give people that safe space, you said that earlier, that safe space to tell their story, connections truly change. I, oh, I believe that 100%. And, and yet, yet what, you ask people, what's their favorite subject? Themselves. Oh, people yeah. love to tell their stories. Yeah. This is my favorite question because I do as much as I'm a huge fan of Larry King and I always hearken back to his Jerry Seinfeld interview and Jerry got mad at him saying, yeah, did you not even prepare for this? And, and by the way, his answer was brilliant. 
I have a whole, I had a whole bunch of questions for you. Um, but as we wrap up today, what question should I have asked you that I didn't? Maybe about being a dad. <laughs> Ooh, uh, I'm a big fan of being a dad myself. Let's talk about that a little bit. What, what are the lessons that you have learned in being a dad? Okay, this is when uh, you get emotional. Again, I'm 62 and my daughter's nine. And so becoming a dad became later for me in life. And, and, and I had no idea that it was going to do to me, becoming a, a parent, what that was going to do for me. I guess the best lesson that I've learned is about how to be present, hmm. especially like something is like when the pandemic hit. So now my daughter's at home full time, you know, before she left for school and then I could get busy with work. My daughter said it to me one time, Daddy, you love your phone more than you love me. Oh, yeah. I only needed to hear it that one time yeah. to create that no phone space for my daughter. And I'm, I'm not saying that I have mastered that because I absolutely have not, just to be present. And I think that a lot of us, whether at home, in our relationships with our, our spouse, our lover, our partner, our children, or, or even in the workspace, you, I, I try to teach people how to not be a jerk. And you may not be a jerk, but people can think that you're a jerk if you're on your phone all the yeah. time. Yeah. Because what the message that you're sending out is that somehow that virtual person, whatever's happen, happening virtually on your phone is more important than the person standing in front of you. When I go to my office. I don't really have an office, but when I go to one of my locations, I purposely leave my phone in the car. Oh, because when I walk in that building, there are a couple of hundred people in that building. And it's my job to go to every square inch of that building and try to connect with as many people as I possibly can. And if I have my phone with me, I know that that's temptation to not be present. And who did I learn that from? My daughter, just the, the value of, of being present. One more thing. I know that you want to wrap this up. So my daughter, she's the shortest one in fourth grade, okay? But she tried out for basketball, okay? She's never played basketball <laughs> one day in her life. We yeah. don't own a basketball. We don't own a basketball hoop. Daddy, I'm trying out for basketball, okay? Well, she didn't make it, and there were some tears, but I feel like that's a good life lesson right there as well, right? Well, then she tried out for a Battle of the Books, where you have to read a whole book, every week for 25 weeks. Well, that's huge. She was falling behind. Sophia, Sophia, you made a commitment here. Okay, daddy, I still want to do it. Okay, then she wanted to try out for something else. Anyway, she finally said to me, she said, daddy, I just want to belong to something. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh. What a life lesson. Oh. What a life lesson. People want to feel like they belong. People are looking for their tribe, especially yeah. nowadays. And the people that we don't acknowledge, the people that we don't celebrate. And I just want to become better and better at that to acknowledge people, to under, understand people's lifestyles, to under, understand people's struggles, to understand their heritage, where they come from, what they identify with. For us as human beings, to start really paying attention to those things would just be huge, a huge, huge contribution to this planet. Humans are amazing. 
And the fact that you wake up every day and you're given this gift is one of those things that I think not only humbles you, but gives you appropriate perspective. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're Wynn, who's worldwide renowned in so many different things. The fact that he isn't one of those people who's walking around when he goes into his buildings, because whoever's on the other end of that phone is more important than the person that's right there. We have to remember that connection. And especially with the isolation that many of us have felt over the last 18 to 24 months. And we really look at that human connection that is so needed because we are very tribal. You should try to do whatever you can to make that connection. All right. Any closing statements that you'd like to make, Win, before we get off and uh, I ask you uh, how people should connect with you? Yeah, this, this, this is the time where, as you're recording this, we're in the middle of the holidays. And I, I can't think of a better time for us. We have the spirit. To, to really take this with us, take it to heart and do all we can to connect with people, especially those who who perhaps are being abandoned, those who are not thought of right now, which could be the elderly. I, I love old people. I'm not sure why. Maybe maybe I'm, I'm an old person now myself. And so maybe I'm trying to send out that message. But when I graduated from high school, my, my friends were doing backpack trips to, to uh, Europe. And I, I took a month long road trip with my grandma. That's, that's, that's what wow. I chose to do. So I've always, I've always loved, my favorite show is, is a uh, golden girls. I got to meet and work with Betty white. That was like the best day of my entire life of when that relationship started. But when you consider especially how senior centers were shut down and are still shut down during the pandemic because they're the most vulnerable, you can imagine how abandoned they might feel at this time. Anything that we can do to find those people who are who are marginalized, find those people who right now during the, this time of the year are feeling a bit more left out than, than others. And this, this is the time for us. Gather your kids together make it a family outing, make it even a company outing. We do this in my company. I have over a hundred locations and all 100 locations are going out into their communities to senior centers to, if they can, to sing Christmas carols, to do their hair. And sometimes it's as simple as just painting their nails, but like what you're talking about, Matt, they're having conversations, they're asking questions of curiosity. and, And of course they have the best stories to tell. So yeah. What is the best way for people to reach out to you? And uh, if people want to learn more about who you are, what you do, and what makes you unique and different, where should they go? I love for people to check out my podcast. They're all they're all free. And again, I've been doing this for 22 years every single month. So I have hundreds and hundreds that people can listen to. And I've interviewed everybody from the president of Southwest Airlines to Dr. Daniel Amen, who just blows me away, to a, a Catholic nun who became a hairdresser so that she could do hair for the homeless. Oh, oh get this. She opened up a salon, a tiny salon in the bathroom of a shower facility for the homeless in downtown Cincinnati. And in seven years, she did 10,000 homeless people. And in that oh. interview with me, she said, when I'm the only Catholic nun that can say I've been in the bathroom with 10,000 men and they all came out smiling. <laughs> <laughs> so for people to go to, to my, my master's podcast and to listen to those uh, interviews, there's some pretty powerful, incredible messages from, from hundreds of amazing people. Well, when I want to personally thank you for everything that you've done to contribute to the logos, the greater good of the world and the greater knowledge base. 
I want to thank you for taking some time uh, with us today, albeit short. We truly appreciate it when we can get anybody who has the life experience and the life perspective that you have, because our goal is to help empower people to rise above the noise so that they can be their own loud, so they can get their voice out in the marketplace and combat a lot of the misinformation that all of us are consuming on a regular basis. So when? Thanks for being on well, the show. I, I love I love your messages. And again, you're doing such a great job in, in spreading this message and especially that just how to rise above the noise. There's so much noise out there. And oftentimes that noise, the loudest noise are from naysayers. Yeah. It's from it's from people that we should not be listening to. So thanks, Matt, for spreading that wonderful message. If you have not subscribed to the show, make sure that you do. Follow us, of course, on all of the social media handles. They are everywhere. And if you too want to know about how you can rise above the noise to be your own loud, just go ahead and find Proudmouth on social or you can connect with me also. So for Wynn and all of us here at Proudmouth, we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've learned something new that will help you be your own loud and rise above the noise in your vertical of expertise at Proudmouth. We help you sell less and advise more by amplifying your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans who will chase you down instead. When people opt into your thought leadership, the sales process changes from hard selling to people buying from you. Isn't that what you want? If you want to know more about how this process works, please visit us at proudmouth.com or join our free Pod Rocket Online Academy at proudmouth.com forward slash academy. Thanks, and we'll see you soon.